Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game is John Chuckery's show. Hanging out with you on this Thursday evening. 404-726-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. We'll uh, hear from Bob Nightingale coming up in about 20 minutes as the Braves did lose uh, today. So we'll talk some baseball with him. But this is your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. You know, I wanted to mention, too, Zach Harrison is a guy that I'm also looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, I, I don't I, – I'm, what I'm going to be really curious is what role or what position he lines up as because he's a bigger, thicker guy, so he's not necessarily a speed rusher coming off the edge – does he kind of play that hybrid, you know, in a in a 3-4 kind of that outside edge kind of guy? You know, I don't think I don't think he's I think he's too big to be an outside linebacker. So, uh I'm going to guess that he's probably going to be, you know, an edge, but it will be interesting to see what what he plays. Um and again, I I don't expect anything more than a very vanilla system. I mean, even if Desmond Ritter doesn't play, I don't think Taylor Heineke is going to play all that long either. You know, it's going to be Logan Woodside. And I, I said, I mean, I you know, they don't have any other arms in camp and they don't really need any other arms in camp other than just, you know, if you're not going to play either quarterback, I don't know if you want Logan Woodside having to take all of the snaps and play all of the downs and stuff like that. Um, you know, you might want to just look at somebody else. But, you know, we'll see what happens uh, with uh, all of this. So uh, running backs coach, Michael Petre uh, talking about the running backs in this room. And obviously look, the running back room is very talented. You've got a thousand yard rusher from last year, Cordero Patterson still in the fold. And obviously the number one running back prospect coming out of the draft and B. John Robinson and lots of expectations. I saw something day day that was talking about that, um, Bijan Robinson would be the first non-wide receiver or quarterback taken in fantasy football leagues. 
Like I was seeing that from from a few fantasy folks. I, I can see that. That I, he's got so much hype around him. And again, it's I I probably stopped doing all my fantasy sports probably like five years, five or six years ago. Yeah, you know how long it's been since I've done fantasy? <laughs> fifty one. Yeah, it's been fifty one years since I've I, I've done fantasy football. Yeah, but but, uh, but I definitely could see see because of the hype. The hype is there. I mean, and he's uh, right. he's he's worthy of the hype. You know, and that that kind of happens. Um. You know, running backs is one of those positions that do get taken early uh, when people do their fantasy well, drafts. But, but you also, but you, you do. I mean, it's not that he's not going to play a crap ton, but he's not going to be 400 carries though either. I mean, you know, there are, there are guys that are going to get bigger workloads yeah. than than a Bijan Robinson just because of the depth of that running back room. Well, the thing about it is because of how the expectation of how he's going to be used in the run yeah, and pass running, game, passing, yeah. you know, when it comes to fantasy football, he can rack up some points for you because, you know, if he's getting, you know, a bunch of receiving yards, a bunch of rushing yards, he may catch a touchdown, rush for a touchdown, like you can get a lot of points. So that's why they're going to take him. It's his versatility, um, you know, the anticipated versatility um, and usage that, you know, he comes with. That's, that's the big draw with him. And, and it sounds like he'll be very valuable in PBR leagues, so I don't know what that has to do with the drinking aspect <laughs> of, of everything. I don't know why that, you know, if you if, if he makes you drink more or something like that, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know how that factors into PBR leagues or whatever like that. But, again, if you need to get drunk and draft Bijan, I mean, maybe, maybe you start drinking when you draft him. I, I don't know what, what the whole deal is um, with uh, all of that. But, but Michael Petre talked about the three things that he wanted from his running backs. Quote, we want physical-minded guys, players that are selfless, and have the ability to be good learners uh, as well. And they say the last part is important uh, for him. Um, again, he was a fullback at US, uh, UCLA, and he, he's got his master's um, in teaching. Um, and, and they talk about... Um, you know, uh, B. John Robinson growing in this offense and things like that. Petre says, quote, anytime you've got a talented player, it's really easy for them to settle and be comfortable with the talent that they have, not realizing that they have more within themselves. We want to continue to challenge him to see, can he push himself past a threshold of what every, what even what he thinks he's capable of to see what we can unlock um, in him. And uh, he joked about the idea of coaching the college out of him. And, and, and I think that's a very interesting line that he's using there. Petre joked about coaching the college out of him. Because, look, B. John Robinson could physically dominate most players, even at the college level, even playing for Texas, right? I mean, just in the sense of, even when they played Oklahoma or the better teams, you know, he could physically dominate so many of those teams. But, you know, the at this level, you know, guys gear up to stop him. And and this is not, you know, the vagabonds that you see at, you know, again, if you're playing Kansas, right, the Kansas Jayhawks, you know, you can dominate, you know, those guys. You know, you'll run for 250 yards against teams like that where they just don't have – Anybody who can physically stop you. Well, everybody can stop B. John Robinson in the NFL. You know, the, the league is loaded with guys who can stop B. John Robinson, and that's the difference. And they say that uh, teaching him that this set alignment with a, within a more complex professional scheme 
while respecting the upper echelon of speed of NFL defenses. And that's absolutely right. You know, it's as much as we talk about, you know, the all the different players that, that adjust to, you know, the life at the at the NFL level. I mean, look, it, it's a whole different league up there. Whole different league. And and by the way, it's also a league where guys are trying to take food off your table. And guys don't want food taken off their table. I don't mean in a literal sense, but you understand what I mean. Um, also, too, um, he talks about just the idea of the part that's really been cool is being able to see him and, uh, well, talking about Tyler Algier, uh, the part that's been really cool is to see him and uh, Bijan work together, work with each other because they have a different skill set. But both understand what we want to do in that room and on the football team. So, look, this is obviously a very talented group of running backs with Patterson. And, look, Avery Williams was in that room, and obviously he's hurt. But, again, he's another guy that is in that room, um, you know, was in the defensive back room, then moved to the wide receiver room, then moved to the running back room. And, obviously, he's our punt and kick return guy. Um, But once you get him back as well, you know, there's a lot of talent in that running back room. A lot of expectations for those guys. And look, that's the bell cow for this team right now, right? As as long as this franchise, you know, is is in this Arthur Smith era, you know, we are going to be a run-first, run-heavy type of team. That's just the reality of it. But, you know, again, hopefully that this, you know, over the years, this turns itself into being, you know, kind of what we were with, with Matt Ryan an offense that can push the football down the field. Um, John U. Smith, talking to our buddy D-Led, was talking about the idea of that the reason he missed some time with the Atlanta Falcons wasn't because he was hurt. He said, quote, uh, he said this to D-Led, quote, I didn't have an injury, just some things I have to continue to maintain on my body. But I'm feeling good. I'm working myself back in. I'm just continuing to make more strides every day. Year seven now, and I feel great, and I want to keep it that way. We just have to go about it in different ways. So I don't know exactly what that means, but, you know, again, he he did not practice for a while there. And, look, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, again, he has to do what he has to do physically, whatever that is. I, I don't I don't know exactly what his regimen and routine is and why he had to miss some time, but as long as he's here for week one and he's a part of this team moving forward, whatever you got to do physically to get yourself ready, do it. Do it. Because, again, we saw Kyle Pitts go down last year, and he's a freak, right? You know, you got to take care of yourself, especially when you're in year seven in the NFL. You've got to be able to take care of yourself. So, again, it's important uh, for all of that to happen. But um, Johnny Smith, I, I definitely think, look, he's going to have a big role in this offense. And and Arthur Smith got the best out of him. That's the thing, too, is that there's not just that familiarity with Arthur Smith, but it's the fact that Arthur Smith got the best out of him. His best years were with Arthur Smith in that Tennessee Titans offense. So, again, he's another guy that, I've seen at times, but haven't watched in depth. And I'm excited to see him in depth, right? That's who I'm excited. And again, this Mac Hollins. I mean, I'm excited to see him in depth now, 
watching him on every snap. You know, he kind of had a breakout year last year for the, um, what what are they now? The Cucam- Rancho Cucamonga Raiders? Vegas. Vegas. Okay, so the El Segundo Raiders, um, you know, he's, he was a guy that had a breakout year for him. So, again, there are some guys on this offense that as the season moves along, I want to be able to watch those guys in depth more and see what their skill sets are. And and those are two guys in particular that I'm excited to see, you know, when when we get in the regular season. We're not going to see much in the preseason, and I don't expect to see much in the preseason, but certainly when it comes to the regular season, how they use Smith, how they use a Mac Collins, you know, again, a couple of guys, you know, in especially in in uh Johnny Smith, a guy who thrived in the offensive system that Arthur Smith ran. I want to see those guys have a big impact on our football team. I want to see that those guys have a legitimate impact in us winning lots of football games. And Smith, especially in the red zone, being a big-time red zone target. So we'll see what happens. But obviously, we get ready for Falcons football coming up tomorrow night. Obviously, we'll have the action right here on the home of the Falcons, 92 on the game. Chris Goforth, Mike Johnson will have the pregame starting at 5. Kick will be at 7. West Durham, Dave Archer will have the call. And then uh, is Rob on tomorrow night after the game? Is Tribble on after the no, game? No, I don't think they're doing that tomorrow. I know, I'll double-check that. That way we can make sure we I, give it. But I think, I think next Friday I, they're doing a Next a Friday tribble, they're doing a, Tribble? A flyover. I okay. think next Friday is a, is a flyover with Tribble. I'll have that for you by the time we come back to update everybody. Okay, so we'll have that about 10 o'clock? Make it 11. Okay, all right, good. So, all right, well, that way we we can know for sure. So, anyway, all right, when we come back, Bob Nightingale joined me earlier, a conversation with him as uh, we get into some Braves talk as well. Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
We're gonna get funky. 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 Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is a John Chuckery Show live on this Thursday evening with you as well, unfortunately, the Braves take it on the chin, only split with the Pittsburgh Pirates and now head up to Gotham to uh, take on the Mets. And uh, the Mets have been uh, really a disaster, not just uh, of late, but uh, all season long. And uh, I don't know what this series is going to look like, but certainly the Braves need to find a way to get themselves back on track. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our guy Bob Nightingale, of course, Major League Baseball columnist for USA Today. You can check out his work on uh, usatoday.com, and he's on Twitter, at B Nightingale. Bob, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show in Atlanta tonight. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, John. You know, um, the the story for the Braves has been just the lack of starting pitching, and especially just, you know, they, they have, the I think, the highest ERA now after the All-Star break. Uh, they overtook the, the Pittsburgh Pirates. How much of a concern is this? We know they didn't go out and get any kind of starting pitching, but how concerned are you about as the season moves into the postseason here in a few weeks? Well, there's certainly concern just because everything was writing so, you know, starting so well. You know, they're going to have the best record in all of baseball. They're going to be heavy World Series favorites. Uh, so, yeah, it is a concern. It also shows you what can happen in short series. I mean, if this – Happen in the uh, in the playoffs, you're you know you're done the first round. So and the good thing is it's it's only uh, early August. Uh, you still got you know seven weeks before they play again. If this was happening all the way you know in uh, late September, then there'd be a, a major concern. Now it's like okay, you know some of it is having the big lead and getting you know uh, maybe some complacency uh, sinking in that sort of thing. So if it's going to happen. And now is a perfect time for it to happen to, uh, you know, in September, different. But now I, I, I think it, everything will be okay. Do you think that the Braves' offense is good enough that they can slug their way through, you know, getting into the playoffs and things like that? I mean, you know, their offense has been so dominant this year, and they're on track to score the most runs in the modern era uh, for a Braves team. And Olsen and all these guys, and Ronnie's the MVP – you think they can slug their way through the playoffs, you know, this year, the way that baseball is played now, or you still got to have one of those dominant starters? You still have dominant starters. You really do. I mean, how many times, you know, can the team, uh, you know, outweigh its pitching problems by just with offense? It, it doesn't happen. You got to pitch to win. You, gotta, you know, need some offense too, obviously. But uh, I, I can't remember a team. In recent history, John, where he said, "Oh, this team has slugged their way to a uh, a World Series championship." Uh, you need one or two guys to step up, you know, preferably at least two guys to be those dominant guys and you know pitch those shutout games. And how important is Max Fried, especially when we start getting into playoff pictures? I mean, look, the Dodgers are a lefty-heavy team. I mean, Max Fried has been one of the few guys that's made some starts for the Braves, you know, on the left-handed side. How big of a key is he as we get down the stretch and obviously head toward the playoffs? No, he's a big key. I mean, he's the, uh, you know, he's the race. He's the guy you rely on. I mean, he's the guy that's been there, done that. Uh, you know, he's you know, World Series hero when they won it all two years ago. So, no, I think, you know, of anybody, you know, that's the guy. That's the guy you need because he's not afraid of the pressure. Uh, he won the, you know, the, the, the biggest game of, of the year in 2021. 
So I, I think a, uh, it, it's essential that he's that same dominant guy when October rolls around. Bob Nightingale, Major League Baseball columnist for USA Today, joining me on the WadeFord.com hotline. You know, you and I have specifically talked. I mean, we all think that Ronald Acuna Jr. is the MVP of the league. We've talked about the idea of Sean Murphy's contributions to this team. And, look, I'm not discrediting Matt Olson, but it seems like in some ways that he's been kind of lost. And even though he's leading the majors in home runs with with Otani and he's, I think, the RBI leader uh, in baseball right now, it it just – it seems like we're not talking about him for the kind of year that he's having, that there isn't a lot more buzz about potential MVPs. No, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, a great season full of uh, MVP candidates. And I was literally just talking to Freddie Freeman about that uh, last night in the sense where, you know, it's always going to be Ronald Kuna's, uh, you know, MVP to lose, almost like Otani in the American League. But you look at those numbers, it's unbelievable how close Freddie Freeman is to uh, Acuna, you know, take away the stolen bases. And, and I love power uh, and slugging, you know, what, what Olsen has done. You mentioned Murphy. I think, you know, Murphy is going to be a, a top 10 guy too. You know, it might be tough for him to be a, a, a top five guy. You, you know, you're not going to have a, uh, you know, it's tough to have three guys in the top 10. And I think he'd probably be third on, on the team. But certainly I think, you know, uh, Atlanta can have three to top 10 for sure. So let me ask you this question. We talked about the MVP. How uh, do you think that Spencer Strider, let's just say for right now, is Spencer Strider the leader in the clubhouse with a Cy Young? You know, I don't think he is. Uh, but if you say who is, <laughs> I don't quite have the answer. I mean, you know, Zach Gallon's been very consistent. You know, doesn't have those, you know, monster uh, strikeout numbers like Strider, but a better ERA. Uh, you know, you look at what Corbin Burns is doing in Milwaukee. He has certainly put himself uh, on the radar of what he's doing. Uh, I mean, this is wide open. It's about as wide open a race that I've seen going to the last, you know, seven weeks. Uh, you know, that, that I can remember in recent years. I'll tell you what, the one guy to watch out for, he comes back uh, tonight, is uh, Clay Kershaw. You know, he had a phenomenal first half. Uh, he hasn't pitched since the All-Star break. Now he's back. If he has a strong last seven weeks, he could uh, end up steal- stealing this award. But I think it's going to come down to who pitches the best uh, down the stretch, particularly for a, uh, a contender. And, and all three of those guys, or all four of those guys are. But, I, yeah, I would keep my eye on Burns as well. If you take away the Dodgers, what team do you think gives the Braves the most problems when they match up in a playoff series? I'm not sure there's another team. You know, Milwaukee, if they, uh, you know, Brandon Woodruff just came back. Burns, you know, we talked about his pitching, Cy Young for him. They could scare you. And they have the pitching. Uh, they got great clothes from Devin Williams. They got the type of pitching to scare you. It's almost like, uh, remember the Reds that year with Atlanta? Mm-hmm. I mean, Reds pitched great. If they had any offense at all, they would have won that series. So kind of a summer thing. The other team, you know, it's the same team that knocked off Atlanta last year is the Phillies. That team worries you. There's something about it, just a gritty uh, bunch there. You know, just a lot of perseverance. And they do have Wheeler and Nola and, of course, now Michael Renton, who's for the no-hitter. So I would think outside the Dodgers, I'd probably go Philly more scary and then and then Milwaukee. 
you know, let's bounce around a little bit, Bob. You know, you, you and I have talked a lot about, you know, the, the division that the Braves are in, obviously, and we've talked about the New York Mets. And, you know, again, they sold off their, their two big starting aces. And, you know, we kind of discussed this about would they or would they not start to do this. You know, are they becoming – Are they? I guess I know that their owner has more money than the federal government, but – are they becoming the poster child of you can't just buy your way through things? And do the Mets have to just really hit a complete reset button? Because, again, they had massive expectations for this team and spent all this guaranteed money, but it it's not just failed. I mean, they're a game and a half away from being in last place behind the Nationals. I mean, it's that bad for the Mets right now. Well, you know, and, uh, you know, I absolutely agree with you, but I'll go even bigger. I'll go San Diego Padres. I think they're a much bigger disappointment. Um, they had 11 all-stars in that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't have a $350 million payroll, but they had a $260 million payroll, and they don't have an owner, you know, with Steve Cohen's uh, uh, checkbook. I think that thing is the most underachieving team in baseball history if they miss out. Um, they got even Juan Soto last night. So there's times that, look, we just kind of quit. We get down and we quit. They don't come back in games. Uh, just no heart there. You know, I think in uh, the Mets part, they had a, you know, a few guys that underachieved and, and things like that. Uh, but you're right. In, in both cases, money just can't buy you a championship. You know, Atlanta's proven that. You know, this year you look at, you know, what Baltimore's done, what Miami's done, you know, Arizona, Cincinnati. A lot of small market teams, and I think a lot of owners this winter are going to, are going to be telling their GMs, hey, if these guys are winning, why should I spend $250 million? Uh, you know, the Cardinals for years were the gold standard, and I think right now Atlanta is the uh, gold standard. Bob, um, let's talk about another team in the American League that has been a massive disappointment, and really, you know, a few years ago, there were a lot of comparisons between the Atlanta Braves and the Chicago White Sox about how good their young core was, and they were two franchises that were on the rise and all the young talent that these two teams had. And now it's completely just gone sideways for the Chicago White Sox. And, you know, again, they've had some injuries. They've they've had manager changes, things like that. But but what has been the real big picture as to – why a team that had that much young talent just even a few years ago and still has some good players on it has just gone so sideways the last couple of years. Yeah, it's almost like you've got to have, you know, camaraderie and clubhouse chemistry. Uh, you know, same thing the Padres don't have. Same thing with the White Sox. You know, they don't have as much talent, obviously, as the Padres. But at some point, you've got to break that group up. Uh, you know, if you're not going to, you know, you know, win with these guys, Trade them away and then and, and bring in some new guys. Uh, you know, the same type of thing. When they get down, they lose. Uh, you heard about that clubhouse chemistry for years with the White Sox. And they want to blame Tony La Russa. Well, Tony La Russa should get another Hall of Fame plaque for being the manager to actually win with that group. It's like they've shown, you know, no, no respect uh, to everybody after La Russa. You know, first uh, Miguel Castro, uh, Cairo, I should say, and, and now – Pedro Grafal, you know, as a few players have told me, the moment Tony La Russa got that door, it's like a substitute teacher came in and everybody took advantage of him. Uh, you know, you look at what Atlanta's done for all those years. I mean, you know, we had more respect uh, among players you know, than for uh, Bobby Cox. And I think you're saying the same thing with uh, Brian Snicker and, and that 
veteran coaching staff is like, hey, you know, you're not going to disrespect the game. You're uh, not going to disrespect the organization, your teammates, and do things right. I mean, I think a manager makes a difference. And in clubhouse leadership, uh, I mean, Freeman's made, you know, such a massive difference along with Mookie Betts with the Dodger organization and all the guys Atlanta brought in, of course, do things uh, right as well. Bob, um, you know, it's another year where, and, and, and this is something else you and I have talked about, it's another year where the Angels, you know, they looked good for a while and they were in the playoff you know, race and, you know, they're still 500, but, you know, they've stunk it up here of late. I think they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. You know, again, I, I keep saying at, at what point, I know Trout's not playing, but at what point do you have all of these guys that are MVPs of the league and you can't even find your way to the playoffs. I mean, Otani's going to be the MVP, no doubt about it. And he's the best player, you know, this side of Ronald Acuna Jr. in baseball. But they don't win anything. I mean, again, Trout, Otani, and I know, I know what the issues are. But just at some point, as great as Otani is, I, I know the money is great, but it, they don't win anything with any of these guys. No, I think it was just way, uh, way too top heavy. You know, and they just you know, bought in a bunch of stars, and uh, there's not not enough depth. You know, they wasted some good, you know, Anthony Rendon. You know, that contract could go down as one of the worst in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, done nothing for that two hundred dollars. They never had the, you know, quite the pitching. They do have more depth this year. Uh, you know, they've hung, hung in there a little bit. You know, remember Trout has missed uh, you know a couple months now, so that's been a, a big blow. They have a lot of injuries. So, uh, so they had more. They've had more depth than recent years. So, yeah, I mean, it's a shame to waste. You know, Trout's great years. A shame to waste what what uh, Otani's doing. But I'm glad they kept him. I'm glad they kept Otani and added on. You know, just hoping to try to get in this thing. You know, I think it made more sense for them to hold on to Otani and uh, and try to build than the San Diego Padres as far as not trading a Blake Snell or Josh Hader. Probably neither will come back. Last question for you, Bob. Orioles, Rangers. I mean, obviously, two really good stories and, you know, some untraditional teams that we've seen, you know, over the last few years. You know, it's not been, you know, the Red Sox, Yankees, you know, Guardians, you know, Astros. I mean, some of those teams have done well. But, again, the Orioles and uh, and Rangers are right there at the top of the American League. Who do you think has the advantage over, you know, if those two teams are going to be the most likely to – get themselves in the World Series. Who do you think's got the advantage? You know, I'd say Rangers have the advantage, but I, I think Houston's the best team in the American League. I really do. Uh, they're, they're starting to play really good baseball now. Uh, Mariner, they've been hurt all year. I mean, without Altuve for so long, without Jordan Alvarez, uh, the, you know, lost that three starting pitchers. So I like the Astros better than both those, uh, both those teams, John. But of uh, those two, I go with the Rangers just because there's more experience. Uh, Orioles are, you know, starting to stumble a little bit here. And, you know, they're not used to playing under pressure. They're not used mm-hmm. to uh, fighting for a playoff spot. Where at least in, uh, you know, with the Texas guys, you know, Marcus Simeon has been in playoff races before. You know, so has a, uh, you know, Corey Seager and, and a, you know, a bunch of those guys. And, of course, uh, you know, the starting pitchers, you know, uh, you know, Evaldi and, of course, uh, Scherzer been there. So, I like experience this time of year, and, and, and Texas has it over Baltimore. 
Bob Nightingale, national MLB columnist for USA Today. Join me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Check him out on his personal Twitter page at B Nightingale. Bob, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes in Atlanta. We will certainly chat again soon. All right, look forward to it. Thank you, John. You got it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports Radio 1990 Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuck Free Show. Hanging out in the key studios. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Got a little NFL action. Um, Houston Texans and the New England Patriots are playing right now. Um, Keon White. He's got... Three tackles um, and a quarterback hit. Just saying. Where did he play? Any idea, Day Day? Any idea where he played? Keon White? Say Georgia Tech. <laughs> Georgia, man. No, say Georgia Tech. I know. Well, Georgia Tech. I meant in yeah. Georgia, but Georgia yeah. Tech, yeah. Yeah. Did the Falcons have drafted him? Or? Anyway. Not that we, I mean, listen, not that we believe in sacks or anything like that. I mean, not that we you know, think that sacks are any kind of indicator of importance or anything like that as far as – The more you look at the advanced analytics, the more you see how valuable sacks are. Oh, okay. And he sacked the quarterback? We'll see tomorrow night. I'll get started up tomorrow night. I'll get started up uh, tomorrow night, so – uh, Braves did take it on the chin earlier today. If you didn't hear that, uh, they lose uh, to the uh, Pirates. And uh, now we go up to Gotham. And I, in all honesty, like I want to see this team open up a can of whoop. You know what? I want to see them open up a can of whoop arse on this team because it it should be something that the Braves really, really beat up on the mutts when it's all said and done. Mutts don't have anything going on. They've pretty much quit for the year. They're a disgrace. Buck Showalter's a buffoon. Their owner's a buffoon. Traded away all their starters, right? Think think about think about the fact that they've traded they they've lost in the last what season? Not, not even season. They lost in basically just over half a year to Grom, Scherzer, and Verlander. Like that's the three guys that they have lost. They had they had they had all of those. Now they didn't have all three at one time, but they had Scherzer, Degrom, and Verlander. And I know their owners got more money than the federal government, but at some point, like all that money hasn't done anything to build any camaraderie or chemistry. Now again, I'm glad for it. I'm I'm happy 
I love watching the Mets in their misery and everything, but it's just um, it's just crazy. I mean, so and look, this should be a get right game for this should be a get right series, I guess for for the uh, Atlanta Falcons or sorry, the Atlanta Hawks. Or, sorry, I can't I can't even get the team right. The Atlanta Braves. See, my brain doesn't always function very quickly and stuff like that. So, but um, but this should be. This should be the Braves going up there and beating up on the mutts and just feeling good about themselves and and getting on the right uh, track and getting the ship righted um, when all is said and done. So we'll see what happens. Oh, by the way, too, I will be on Sunday morning from 10 to 2. So I'm filling in for Freaky Deaky. So normally Freaky's on at that time. I will be on from 10 to 2 on Sunday. So we'll have a little bit of fun with you. Garrett's going to produce, and uh, we'll have a little bit of fun. And uh, obviously we'll talk about what went on with the Falcons game, but uh, I'll be on from 10 to 2 on Sunday this coming weekend. So, all right, uh, speaking of this coming weekend, let's get to something that we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. (laughs) Like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Buggin' Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So I'm sure you saw the story um, with the Northwestern coaches that wore a T-shirt that read Cats Against the World, followed by the number 51. Now, the number 51 is what uh, Pat Fitzgerald wore when he played at uh, Northwestern. And obviously... He's a legend there. And the coaching staff, you know, um, you know, there were some staff members that um, that that wore at Wednesday's practice that were supporting Pat Fitzgerald. Well, the athletic director called it inappropriate, offensive, and tone deaf, saying, quote, I am extremely disappointed that a few members of our football program staff decided to wear Cats Against the World T-shirts. Neither I nor the university, and by the way, this is Derek Gregg, who's the athletic director for Northwestern, Eric Gregg. Um, Neither I nor the university was aware that they owned or would wear these T-shirts today. The shirts are inappropriate, offensive, and tone deaf. Let me be crystal clear. Hazing has no place at Northwestern, and we cannot, or sorry, we are committed to do whatever is necessary to address hazing-related issues including thoroughly investigating any incidents or allegations of hazing or any other misconduct. Well, okay. Um, let me put it like this. A couple of things here. One is, if you're all big balls willy, then fire everybody. I, I don't care what the payouts are. If you're all big balls willy about being offended by the T-shirts, and, and frankly, I wasn't offended by the T-shirts, but I'm not a Northwestern and, alum or anything like that, but fire everybody. If they wore the shirt, fire them. Everybody gone, okay? That's one thing, okay? And let me ask you, you know, Pat Fitzgerald is an absolute legend on that campus. I mean, he's arguably, and I can't remember all my Northwestern football, He's arguably the best player that they've ever had in program history. And he's been the coach there for a long time. And had he not have had this hazing incident come up, he'd still be the coach there, even though that they were dreadful last year, dreadful last year. He'd be in no danger. It took an incident like this 
for them to say, okay, do we get rid of him? So I, I ask, you know, you think that these things were isolated incidences or anything like that? I, you know, I, I just, I have a hard time believing that, you know, these things were just in a vacuum or this or that. You mean to tell me that there wasn't an institutional culture about these kinds of things going on and it finally got to the light and was just too big to ignore? I, I don't know. I just, when there when you get to a certain level, right? We saw this with Jim Beheim. That's a perfect example, Jim Beheim. You get to a certain level where you can tell pretty much everybody to F you. You can pretty much tell everybody to kiss my arse, to just screw you. Jim Beheim was that way. You know, Jim Jim Beheim was not going to be told what to do or what have you. He you know played academically ineligible kids and all these different things, right? And, and by the way, like you think that that was a one-time thing where he played an academically ineligible kid? Please, I, I'll guarantee you at some point Derek Coleman or or Sherm Douglas or Billy, uh, what's his name, Billy Owens, you know, somebody was academically ineligible for a semester, and I promise you he played him. I, I promise you, in his 50 years of coaching at Syracuse University, that wasn't the only time that he played one academically ineligible game. Again, that's just ridiculous to think like that. But you get these guys, and, and I'm not saying Pat Fitzgerald is in the same boat as uh, Jim Behan from the standpoint of he's an a-hole, but you feel like at some point that you're untouchable or invincible. And maybe that was the, the feeling around there. I mean, again, you, you had to think that if you're one of these football staff members and you wear a shirt that is in support of the head coach that just got fired for these hazing incidents and stuff like that, you have to know that there is backlash. Well, but at that point, you don't care. I mean, that's all I can think. The same mentality of us against the world, we don't care what's going on, that permeates all through the staff down to the assistants and whatever staff members there were involved in all this. And that's why you fire everybody. You fire, you fire everybody. Staff member was wearing a shirt, fire him. Staff member had a, a, you know, Pat Fitzgerald solidarity. Fire him. Fire everybody. You're not going to change the culture of your program if until everything is gone. Until you just, until, honestly, you scorched earth everything. And that usually means firing everybody, cleaning house, getting rid of any stench or stink or stank or smell, you know, in, in the program itself. And, and that takes more than just, Firing the head coach. You clean out everybody and everything. And if you have to, by the way, if you have to pull scholarships, you know, because guys were involved, you pull scholarship. You do what you have to do, especially at Northwestern. And look, the expectation has been high at Northwestern. I, I, they're not a good program, but, you know, what? what's his name? Who's the guy that, um, oh, gosh, who's the coach that got them to the Rose Bowl uh, for Northwestern? But he ruined it for everybody. Northwestern was a school that should never be in the Rose Bowl, and they got to the Rose Bowl. 
and it got ruined for everybody. That why can't we be in the Rose Bowl? All these academic schools and things. Why can't we be in the Rose Bowl? Why why can't we be good? Why why is it only them? Dan Haw was it Dan Hawkins? No, it wasn't Dan Hawkins. That was a, that was a guy out of Colorado. I can't remember what the guy's name was. That took him to the uh, Rose Bowl in the uh, night what 1980s, I guess that was. So again, um, Fitzgerald's a legend there. I get that. I understand that. But you had to know that this was going to stir the pot up, and that's the last thing that anybody needed right now. So with that, you go out and you fire people. You fire people and make a statement. Don't just come up in front of a podium and say how disappointed you are. Let your actions speak over your words. And that's what's fucking Chuck Reed. All right, final hour of the program coming up. What is your confidence in the Braves' starting rotation as we sit here today? 404-726-0929. I'm going to open up the phone lines to you as we start this last hour of the program. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.